Good morning. Bunch of world changers here. I was listening to a, an old sermon of Pastor Dave, and I laughed, and he said, "Just look at how many people are not here." <laughs> Boy, things haven't changed. <laughs> the pathway to revival is not through popularity. <laughs> And boy, am I ever learning more and more about how carnal of a preacher I am, or was, and and trying to get out of being. (laughs) As I I study more, and the Holy Ghost is just revealing more and more about this walk of the Spirit, I'm finding a place where it's all in here. Once you see it, you see it everywhere. It's all in here. The message of the walk of the Spirit. Uh, let's start in Romans chapter 8. We're just going to paint more of a picture today. And it's this verse in chapter 8, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, one way to interpret Scripture is through comparison. So in Scripture, there's either a comparison between two of the similar things or two opposing things. So I can say I've got a a tall friend and a short friend. I've got a, a thin friend and a large friend. I've got a, a, a black friend and a white friend. See, they're opposing, but they're both friends. So when you see in Scripture something that are, that's talked about, two similar things, they're talking about the sim- similarity but the opposing parts of it. Like if I said I went to the grocery store where you buy food and I bought a orange and an apple. That makes sense. Your mind, no problem, right? I went to the grocery store where you buy food and I bought an orange and a wall. And no, I'm not talking about Walmart. I bought an orange and a tire. You think, well, wait a minute, an orange and a tire aren't, they're two separate categories. So one way when you read scripture to interpret things when they're talked about is what are they comparing to? If there's a comparison, it's it's never two different things. I've got a tall friend and a, uh, a white friend. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute, that is in describing something that is compared they're in the same category, or they're not comparable. I went down to the street, and I saw all these nice cars, Corvettes, and I told them about my nice house. So you, don't, you can tell them about your nice car, but if it's not in the same category, it doesn't make sense. So I say all that to say in here is a comparison between the inner body and the outward body. You know, when you had a new nature, the new nature replaced the old nature. Do you now know you don't have two natures? No creature has two natures. You only have one nature. So you have the nature of life in you, the nature of light, the new nature. You don't have an old nature. The old nature has been put to death, quickened into a new nature. Can you say amen to that? Because the comparison here is not the new nature and the old nature. There is never a comparison in you that you have both natures. You don't have both natures. Well, why do I want to sin? 
Where does that desire come from? Where does the desire for fear, for the emotions of defeat, the emotions of insecurity, where do they come from? Well, it's not because you have a nature of sin in your flesh and a nature of light in your spirit. No, the new nature brought to life your inner man and left your outward man to darkness. Your, old, your outward man has an appetite and desires left over from the old nature because it was not quickened. It will be quickened one day when the trumpet sounds. But until that day, you're stuck in this outward earthly body that has thoughts, emotions, and desires, and appetites that are of this world. So verse 10, and if Christ is in you, so we know that means the new nature. How many have Christ in you? So you have Christ in you. So now it's there, there's the new nature. Then it says the body is dead. So if Christ is in you, the body, the body, our body is dead. Doesn't mean dead like an animal on the road that's been squished. It means left to death. He did not resurrect it. He did not quicken it. He left it to death because of sin. But the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. And this is what puzzled me for so long. Because this is, the spirit is life because of the spirit. Because the new nature is righteousness. So what he's saying here is the body is dead. The outward body is left dead. But the inner body is brought to life because of righteousness. Now the new nature oozes. And it's the generator of life in you and light. It oozes righteousness. It pushes righteousness into your inner man, which was brought to life, but left your outer man, left to darkness. Now, we, we're going to cover some verses today just to help show that. Let's jump over to Colossians, chapter 2, verse 3. I really could read all the Colossians on this, but... And what's happening to me is I'm really beginning to be embarrassed about how much of my theology, thinking, that I tried to pull over into this walk of the Spirit. And how much of my natural man's idea of who God is has painted a false picture in my life in the years past. And how thankful I am. I always thought, like, why was it when I was in all those services? Gary shared a little bit about how my past at Norval's God bless Norval. The great thing about Norval was he kind of, he wasn't one denomination. Like he, he didn't just speak to one group. He spoke to many different groups. And when he designed his Bible college, it was more of a seminar college. And what would happen was every two weeks, you would get a new guest speaker in. So a new guest speaker would fly in and teach the school from Sunday night, then two services Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday, all the way to Friday morning, Friday night, and then that guest speaker would fly out. Then we'd have a week of just regular teachers, staff teachers, and then then the next week we'd have a new speaker come in. And we'd have one time one guy came and, and shared how he said, you know, there's revival coming to the land. Amen, it's coming to America, yes. And God's going to, uh, no, how do you put it? The devil is going to use deception to try to confuse the children of God, deceive them. Ooh. 
We're all young Bible college students. We believe everything anyone said. That's where I learned not to believe what people said. (laughs) And the devil's going to use a tactic called puppets to deceive children where they don't believe that a puppet is... Can you imagine preachers using false lying puppets to these children? We're like, ooh, the devil, he's going to try to destroy revival. The next two weeks later, Willie George comes in, flies in. (laughs) Revival is coming to America. Yes, amen, amen. And God's going to use an amazing tool to teach children about the Word of God. Yes, amen. Puppets. Well, who do we believe? You you have discovered is that everyone has an opinion. (laughs) And what most people don't know and should be afraid of is the moment you give your opinion in the name of God, you become a preacher. God says this. God told me this. Then you're accountable for what happens when people take your advice. You may not feel that accountability that day, but you will be held accountable for the damage that you do with your opinion. Social media has made it where you don't need to buy in the old days, if you wanted to be a preacher around the country, you don't. You need to get a hundred thousand dollars just to buy a camera, and another hundred thousand dollars to set up the equipment, the the recording and all that, the lights, and then you had to buy TV time, millions of dollars. So you had to have a good support system before you could even pass your message from one city to the next. Nowadays, you just need an iPhone, and you're good to go. So everybody can be a preacher. The problem is you're accountable for your opinion if someone else takes it and it doesn't produce fruit. So the example here with understanding you have an outward man and an inward man is that when you were born again, you received the new nature of Christ. Thank God for the message of the Born Again Trail. It's a miracle of miracles, that series just the fact that you could understand what I just said tells you how much of a miracle it is that that revelation was brought from God's mind to your mind. That you can actually understand that, that I have a new nature. That new nature brought to life your inner man and left your outward man dead in darkness. Your outward man is already dead. It's already fallen off of you. You understand? That's why we age. That's where gray, gray hair comes from. You can confess away your gray hair. You're a bunch of faith people using, faith ladies using dye in your hair. You can't confess away the gray hair. I, well, maybe, I guess you might be able to. I've, I've had preachers talking about how they pray for people and they lost 200 pounds instantly on stage. I've never seen it, but I've heard that testimony. I've heard about bald men quickly growing hair. So I don't want to limit God. Maybe you can believe away gray hair. But you can't stop aging. Aging is going to happen. You are going to, you are going to die one day. And understand, die means something fails. <laughs> something quits working. Your body is going to fall off you. God left it for dead. But he brought to life by the new nature. It brought to life your inner man. Are you still with me? Okay, that's Romans 8 verse 10. That's how I like to preach that. And I hope you can start to see that. 
I'm going to go back over there, Romans 8 10. And the Christ is in you, so if the new nature is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. See, that's if, if we think that is the new nature, the body is dead because of sin, but the new nature is life. That's like comparing oranges with tires. But it, we're comparing apples to oranges. So if the body is dead, the comparison that is life, dead and life, means the other body is alive. The inner body is alive because of righteousness, because of the new nature. Now I'm going to show it to you out of, well, we're over in Colossians chapter 3, or chapter 2, verse 3. I'll start in verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, and attain all riches of the fullness, assurance, and understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. In whom? So the Father and Jesus Christ, in whom? Say, in whom? Were hidden are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, in the Father. But they're not hidden so you can't ever find them. They're hidden so you can find them and make them part of you. Now we're going to go over to 2 Corinthians. The root verse here for this scripture to understand is verse 16, chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So here it tells us that you have an outward man and an inward man. See, that's comparing apples and oranges, the opposing things. You have an outward and an inward man. Now you have to, I want you to just take a second and think about how complicated or crazy this would sound like to a natural man. You have an outward man, you have an inward man. Just think about the fact that when the trumpet sounds, you receive a new body. We just kind of take that for granted. Why? Why do you need to receive a new body? Because the old body is left for dead. You will have a new eternal body. The Apostle Paul, what the Holy Ghost had to teach him to be able to explain everything to the people, what happened when you were saved, is amazing. So the core verse here. For we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So you have an inward man that needs to be renewed day by day while the outward man is perishing. Now we're going to go back all the way back over to chapter 3, verse 1. If you want to know the context of 2 Corinthians, there was a group of false apostles. Paul even called them apostles of Satan. Paul would have been one of those preachers. You, do, you wouldn't make a comment on his Facebook post because he would, he would embarrass you. The apostles of Satan who were preaching the old covenant of law and legalism to his church, 
that he taught how to walk with God in grace. So this, and the problem was they were winning. See, do you understand that your outward man, the outward brain, can understand religion? Your outward man accepts religion because it understands religion. It feels safe in religion because in religion, you, your outward man is in charge. It means that I can have more of God if I do better with God. I can bring God closer if I love him. And if I'm bad, he, I can push him away. I can get God to bless me if I give money. But if I don't want to be blessed, I can hold. So I'm in charge of my relationship with God. Much of the modern church teaches the outward man, outward man knowledge about God, and the outward man likes it. Do we begin again to commend ourselves for chapter 3, verse 1? Or do we need, as some others, letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of your heart. So Paul's trying to explain to them that those other guys, what they taught is false, and what he teaches is truth. Because the church was getting ready to walk away from Paul. He doesn't have any money. He has to work. Look how he's been beat up, persecuted. It's because God's hand is not on him anymore. He has disobeyed. He's opened the door for the devil. Blah, blah, blah. But look at us. Look at our wealth. We represent God. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient for ourselves to think of anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, I'm going to pause there. There's a wisdom, a truth, an understanding from the world on how to be successful. But it's of worldly, earthly knowledge. And it can teach you how to be successful in life. But when it comes to walking with God, it's a different language. I remember one preacher, one of our every two weeks. Can you imagine being in services? services? When I moved here to, to Tulsa from Tennessee, I was so serviced out. I had already done my, my lifetime commitment to services. Every two weeks, you'd have a 10-11 service seminar. Every two weeks. A conference every two weeks. And you had to be in every service. One guy showed up. He was, he was anointed. He, he was kind of a, a revivalist guy, and we had some miracles. It was at the end of, I think we had gone in that timeline. It was, it was ridiculous, like 12 weeks straight with preachers coming in. Like, I promise this is the truth. Twelve weeks straight with different speakers every week. And this guy showed up. And we're Bible college students. So there's an offering, at least one offering sometimes, too, in every one of those services. And the majority of the crowd are Bible co- broke Bible college believing students. So we had been bled out of every penny we had. Talked out every service to get more money out of you. They had to come up with a bigger 
a bigger reason why you could give. I know you gave last service this morning, but this service is extra anointed. This service, God is promising you a thousandfold. Well, this guy came, and, and I remember he was really, like really anointed. Like it was a fresh air, kind of breath of fresh air. Miracles happened. And he said, I think we need to have revival. We need to go on. Let's keep going, these services. And we were so exhausted from all the services we've been into, at least 10 weeks straight of services, that we just, we didn't care if it was Jesus. We were like, no, please, we need, I need, I need a night off, please. You know. (laughs) But one preacher there said, you know, if you want to win the world, you can't do it if you're broke. You can't win the world if you're broke, driving a beat-up old car, which all of us had beat-up old cars, if we had cars. You can't win the world if you live in a dumpy house. You should have the nicest house in the neighborhood, the nicest car in the neighborhood, to show the world that God's blessing is on you. If you want that, then I want you to give right now in this offering so God could bless you with that. And I remember right then thinking, well, I know the nicest house in town belongs to a guy who owns bars. He's not a church-going guy. And so I remember thinking, that's not a good example. Prosperity is not an indicator of God's hand on you. It can be, but it's not always. Apostle Paul's a perfect example. Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. I'm telling you, the more I've been, just every verse is, is telling, as I'm reading this lately, every verse, there's a depth of truth in there that I've yet to really, I'm ashamed how quickly I breezed over all this in the years. We have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Paul's rebuking them in a loving way for taking a wisdom about God that came from the natural mind and receiving it in their natural mind and accepting it from God. See, your natural mind could accept things of carnality and say it's of God because it makes sense to it. But you have an inner man that's alive. That means that your inner man, the, the mind of the inner man, the brain of the inner man, if you want to put it that way, is now lit up by the new nature. It's alive. But all the knowledge, the reason why it says renewed, I was like, why am I renewing my inner man? Why am I having to renew my inner man? That doesn't make sense. Renew means to refurbish. I know it's not the outward thoughts, because if God could renew my outward brain, he would have done it before I was saved. He had to wait till I was saved, because my new nature brought to life my inner man. Now my inner man, my inner body, has a brain, a spiritual brain. You have a spiritual brain that can contain and hold on to the very truths of God. Think about that. God himself, the Holy Spirit, can sit down with you 
and tell you mysteries and wisdom for you to hold on to. And that's what happens when you pray in tongues and pray in tongues and all of a sudden you start to see things differently. You start to, like, no, that's not right. Do you ever have that happen to you? What's going on? Well, the Holy Ghost has taught my taught me no well it was it's more so much more than just god sitting down with you because he would have sat down with the disciples before jesus when he said you can't understand the things that i've said yet but you will because the holy spirit will bring them back to remembrance see what that means is you're too dumb to understand what i'm saying because i'm speaking life light in your dark but when you're born again the inner man will come to life and then the holy spirit will bring to remembrance what I taught and tell you what it really means. Because then you'll be able to comprehend it. Say amen if you're still with me. So now you have an inner man that's alive with a spiritual brain that's alive. Now before you were born again, you had a spiritual brain too, but it was dark. And when it came to life, it was renewed, it was quickened. So now all the knowledge that was in your spiritual brain, which was dark, was wiped away. And now it is light. It's quickened. It's life. It went from death to life. And that's why we need to rebuild the knowledge, because what it had knowledge, but it was of darkness. But now it has the opportunity to have knowledge that comes from light. There is a knowledge of the Spirit that only comes from the mind of God. And if I could say anything... In case I don't get to my verses today. There's wisdom. There's a way to serve God through your outward man. And there's a wisdom from the world about God to your outward man. And this is where we see the modern church. making. How do we get people to like to come to our church? How do we make them want to keep coming back? They've learned to speak a language to their outward man. So their outward man doesn't fight them. Their outward man says, yes, we're going to church. I'm going to be encouraged, excited. Some of the preachers call themselves motivational speakers now. They're not pastors, teachers. They're motivational speakers. And they've learned how to motivate your outward man to serve God. There's a knowledge, though. There's a truth. There's an understanding. Let me just jump over. I know I'm making a mess of... But I'm trying to follow God, so we're good. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be men or mature. Remember in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he calls them children. Immature babes in Christ, carnal so there's an understanding. He says, don't be children. Don't remain children in understanding. But, but in understanding, be mature. It says men in the King James, but it means mature. And I can go to chapter 13 to really show you what that verse means. In other words, there is a truth of God. Where did it say in Colossians the truth and the knowledge of God was? In Christ and in God. They were the holders of truth, of real truth, spiritual wisdom. And the only way you're going to get it is if you get it from his mind to your mind. It doesn't come automatic. The moment you're saved, you have a new nature that's complete, but you have an infant of understanding. 
Now, what that means when it, he calls them children and newborn babes, it doesn't mean your inner body's like a little baby crawling around and your outward body's full grown. You know, I'm 52. And so my inner man, let's say I just got born again at 52. My inner man isn't, isn't formed like a little baby. It's connected to my outward man. They're, they look the same. So if I were to, well, I don't want to say it that way. Someone, were to, someone else were to pass away at 52, just being born again. And they go to heaven. They're not a little baby crawling around. You know, oh, a newborn baby, yay. No, what it means when it says newborn babe, it means your knowledge that you have, that you're holding. The knowledge that comes from God, the truth that comes from the Spirit, the real truth of God, you're like a newborn babe. You are, it's absent, it's not in you, because you've only tasted life the moment you were born again. Your inner man is a body of life, and it can only understand life. That's why when you hear preachers, sometimes you feel it. A lot of times I'll preach and people go, I don't understand what you said. It reminds me, I'm proud of that. That reminds me of Pastor Dave. The first number of years I heard him, I was like, that was the best service. What did he teach? I have no idea what he taught. But it was just, I knew it was right. It felt right. See, what I I was explaining was my inner man was drinking in the truth that came from the Spirit through Pastor Dave or through any preacher who preaches the truth. But my outward man was like, huh? What? But if you would have came and told me at that time, you want a new car? Then you just need to give in this offering. I mean, we were giving out our our pens at the end of of some series. We were giving out pens. There were like chiclet little gum and, and candies. The last bit of lint was going into the offering, trying to... Keep up so we can walk in the blessing. The only reason, the only reason you're not blessed today is because you ran out of seed. You haven't planted enough seed last year. So you want to be blessed next year? Plant your seed this year. Well, our outward man was like, yes, of course, that makes sense. But that was as carnal as someone telling you, go drink a beer. What's happening is when I'm, I'm beginning to see more and more of this in the Scripture that I'm getting bolder and bolder in saying, that's just a bunch of trash. A bunch of outward man wisdom trying to talk about God has no power to get us to revival. So all of this here in Second Corinthians is telling you that you have an inner man and an outward man. And you have the ability to learn God from your outward man, which will take you down a road of religion. It can be as religious as wearing robes and sacrificing lambs and being certain. Imagine how good of a preacher these guys are to talk full grown Gentile men into being circumcised. That's some good, strong preaching. All right, we're going to have an altar call. Uh, Rabbi so-and-so here, he's got the knife, and we're going to do this in the back room. We're not like those, those really uh, Pentecostal guys that do it all, cast out devils in front of you. We take them to the back room for our circumcision. So how many here are going to get circumcised after my preaching? And most of the crowd puts their hands up. That's some good preaching. You made sense to something. Paul's calling it ridiculous, like... <laughs> Apostles of Satan, for sure. 
<laughs> and you have such trust, verse 4, chapter 3. Through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And that simply means I have nothing in my natural ability, my natural thinking. My na- I carried nothing over. Everything I teach and do and live is from what God has given to me from my time spending with him. That's why I said the other day, can a, a caterpillar choose to fly? The answer is no. A caterpillar cannot choose to fly. A caterpillar can choose to transform, to go through the cocoon, and then it will emerge only being able to fly. No longer a caterpillar. We have too many Christians in the modern church being taught who they are as a butterfly without encouraging them to go through the transformation process. You're a butterfly. You can fly. God's word says this promise, this promise, this promise. And we have all these caterpillars buying T-shirts with butterfly wings and, and tattooing butterfly wings on them and never walking in all what God has for them because they're trying to serve God through their outward man who's made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, of, but, but, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stone, was glorious, that's the old covenant, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses, say face, say Moses, that they could not look at the face of Moses, because of the glory of the countenance, which glory was passing away. Or I think in the King James it means obsolete. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? But if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So you can see the comparison. Ministry of uh, condemnation, ministry of righteousness. Light, dark, earthly, spiritual. Just like an outward man, inward man. The ministry of condemnation speaks to your outward man. Because it was designed to speak to the, the unsaved men of Israel. They weren't born again. That's what the Old Testament was. It wasn't designed to speak to you. You are a born again believer with a new nature in an inner body that's alive that can understand truth now from God himself. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness succeeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. So the, the glory of the new, of the spirit, outshines the glory of the old. It shines so bright the glory of the old can't even be seen. Maybe you walked into a, a house and your kid, like my kids, have a new flashlight, would shine the light in your eyes and shock you, and you can't see anything because that light's so bright. Well, that's what he's saying. The glory of this spiritual walk outshines the glory of the Old Testament, so much so that it's not even called glory. You thought that was bright. You should see what, how bright this is. For if what is passing away or obsolete was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. 
Therefore, since we have such hope, we have boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So here it tells you why Moses put the veil over his face. It wasn't that he did so that he wouldn't scare the people so much, as that God did not want the people to look to that glory. He put the veil so what was obsolete, what was passing away, could not be seen. Because the point of the Old Covenant was not for you to live by it. The point of the Old Covenant was to bring, legally, bring Jesus to the earth. And he completed it. It is now obsolete. It's no longer necessary. It's still powerful, but not powerful for rules and regulations for your life. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, say face, say Moses, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. So the only way for you to understand truth from God is to have that veil taken away, to have the inner man renewed. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. So even the truth of the Spirit does not make sense to an unsaved believer, unsaved person, even those who are following the Old Testament. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Talking about the new nature. The new nature takes away the veil. So now God is no longer, the truth of God is no longer hidden to you. That's why we don't need to preach to the world our principles. The only message the world needs to hear is, the world does not need to hear, don't, don't go grab an alcoholic and say, you need to quit drinking. You need to clean up. You may save his liver, but he's still going to go to hell. The world needs to hear, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells us so. You don't need strobe lights with it either. Just simply, Jesus loves you. Because with the Spirit, the new nature, the veil, that which is stopping you from understanding the truth of God is taken away. But we all, with unveiled face, so our face is unveiled, beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. The word there is the same as transformation. It says changed, but it's the same word, transformation. We are being transformed. Transformed is a process. It, it's not, it doesn't happen instantly. The moment you're born again, how many know the moment you're born again, you didn't instantly be able to quote the New Testament? I got all the knowledge of God. Instant. I know God. Boom. I'm good. No, you didn't gain that knowledge instantly. You must be transformed into the same image. So here we see it now, that you are being transformed into the image inside of you is a new nature, and in that nature is, is like a seed, is the very complete image of Jesus. It's complete in holiness and in love 
and mercy and glory and, and gentleness and kindness and joy. And it's complete, but it's just a seed. It doesn't overtake your life. It brought to life your new man, your inner man, and now your job is to transform into that image. In other words, you've got to take that image forward like a tree. You take, in it, you take a seed and you plant it into the ground. And somehow, I don't know how, you don't know how either, that seed takes the right minerals out of the ground, funnels it through that image, and brings forward whatever that image is. So if it's an apple tree, it will grow an apple tree. Not an orange tree, not a bush, an apple tree, because that's the image that is in the seed. You, when you were born again, received the seed, a nature of Christ in you, with the full, complete image of Christ in it. But you weren't made, you weren't made full, mature. It brought to life your inner man, giving you the ability to now transform and bring forward that image. Can a, a young orange tree, a little orange tree, let's say I went down to the, the tree nursery and I bought myself a, a little orange tree. And I planted it in my backyard. I fertilized it and watered it. I was so excited. About a month later, I called all my friends. I said, next week I'm going to make fresh orange juice for everyone. I bought a juicer. I mean, a nice juicer. Well, the expensive one. You just put the orange in. Now comes fresh orange juice. Nothing like fresh, real orange juice. So Saturday, I invite all my friends Christy cleaned up the house. We got it all decorated, ready for an orange party to celebrate my orange tree. And I went out to my orange to go pick my oranges. And I look at my orange tree. There's no oranges. You stupid tree. I must have got a dud. Something wrong with my tree. Where's my oranges tree? So I get frustrated. I cut it down. And I drive over mad, stomp into the nursery where I bought the tree the year earlier or whatever. You guys are a bunch of jokers. I bought an orange tree. It's not producing oranges. See, you're all laughing at me like they did. Can a young orange tree, can an immature orange tree choose to produce fruit? No. But it can choose to mature. It can choose to grow into the image until one day the fruit comes forward. And then once the fruit comes, if you stop liking oranges, you cannot stop it. I'm tired of oranges. You give me too many oranges. I want you to stop. I can't help it. I'm an orange tree. I'm a full-grown orange tree. You're going to get it. That is where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. Fruit only comes from a mature tree. What's taught in modern churches is you need to act in love. You need to act in joy. You need to act in hope. And so we find, we find a hope in the world, in natural wisdom and natural understanding. But the only place you're ever going to find real hope is through Him. You're not going to find truth in this world. You're not going to be able to, to preach your ideas, your thoughts, your wisdom. No one in church wants to hear what you have to say, what I have to say. We need to preach what Jesus has to say. The modern church has taught us to take the love of Alan. I'm born again. Welcome to the church, Brother Alan. I'm glad you're born again. 
Now I want you to take your love and quit focusing on you. And I want you to focus it on other people. So we're going to take the love of Alan and go win you over with the love of Alan. I love you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to feed you, clothe you, be nice to you. So with the love that I have from Alan, I'm going to win you over and give Jesus credit. And that's why we see broken people happy to go to church. Poor people happy to go to church because they're won over. But somebody loves me. But it's not enough. It's not the same as the love of Jesus. See, what he's saying here is, if I want to win you over, my sufficiency is not of us. Meaning, I don't give you what I think. I don't give you the stuff that I have in my natural that I carried over. I give you only what I was able to capture from Jesus and bring forth from my inner man where it is now in me. And then I take that new man, my inner man, the wisdom of God, the love of God, and I pull it out over and put it over top of my outward man where I'm living from my inner man, not my outward man. But we all with unveiled face, verse 18, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. That word is metamorphosis. It's like a butterfly, a cocoon. A caterpillar goes into cocoon, comes out a butterfly. It's not instant. It is a process. In prayer center language, that means the cocoon. Your cocoon is you praying in tongues. Your cocoon is you worshiping God privately, your inner man with his spirit. Your cocoon is confessing and meditating the word of God. Your cocoon even includes the F word fasting. That's your cocoon. That's it. That's the cocoon. If you don't go in there, you're never going to fly. You can talk about it. You can preach about it. You can confess it. Say it. I am, I am a butterfly. Not until you go through the transformation. We, bunch of, we have a bunch of caterpillars walking around in the modern church. Quoting verses of flying. Never going to fly. Do you know how many services I was in? I don't know why I keep reminiscing. Well, because I've learned, I've learned that people have lots of opinions about God that are different. And as a Bible college student, you'd be surprised how, many, how open we were to learning from anyone. Anyone who was on stage, we thought the only reason they're on stage is because they're right. One, one person came in, and I'm, I'll never forget, uh, Zona and Norville were out of town. Zona is Norville's daughter. She was the director of the Bible college. And they all left. They were all out of town. So they trusted us, first-year students, with a, a speaker who had been there many times before. Well, the speaker came out with a new revelation. It was out of some verse where it said that Jesus, I think, put his blood in the, the Holy of Holies in heaven. And there's a word in there that means spins around like a top. The whole week that, that person taught that if you want to be delivered, you need to spin around like a top. And that week in classes and in our homework was to make banners and things to wave and how to dance and spin before the Lord. So can you imagine Norval and Zoda leave town, come back, and the church is normal. Like We have good worship, normal worship, hands up. Once in a while, someone would get excited, run around the building. Uh, every once in a while, someone would break out in tongues. But that was about it. They come back one week later, and 
I'll never forget, I was sitting there, and here's Zona sitting on the stage, and praise the worship starts. All of a sudden, all these banners appear. Boom, 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 all over the church. And all of a sudden, we have old people, young people, large people, skinny people, running around the church, spinning, ballet dancing, worshiping God, because we'd practice all week on how we were to worship God. I'll never forget Fiery Zona. God bless her. She had her dad's fire in her. She uh, called up that preacher, told her never, she weren't, was never welcome back. She grabbed, told us and called us, what's wrong with you people? Well, we're Bible call students. It's not our fault. It's your fault. I didn't dare say that. But that's what I thought. <laughs> Give me all your notes from last week. We're going to throw them in the trash. <laughs> I mean, it was just so clear. Like, this is, that was not God. Stupid you for even thinking it was God. And so I went down so many roads trusting what someone said, thinking that works. But see, my natural man could understand that. But what was necessary was my inner man. And I'm so thankful now. I look back all the years and I think, well, that could have taken me this way. That, that teaching could have taken me that way. That would have taken and, and they tried. I remember them trying to make me laugh, trying to make me run around the church. And something in me just wouldn't let me. And it wasn't Alan. It wasn't, I'm not strong like that. It was God. It was the Holy Spirit transforming me into his image, renewing the knowledge, rebuilding the knowledge of my spiritual mind that said, no, that's not God. That's not necessary. Thank God for praying in the Holy Ghost. Therefore, since we have this ministry, verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So this transformation process can make you lose heart. <laughs> but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. You cannot find the truth of God anywhere in the world. It never existed from Adam till Jesus. Love, light, truth never existed in this earth. You're only going to find it in your cocoon. Some of the preaching is, well, you just need to step aside. So the moment you're born again, you just step aside and let them see Jesus. This is telling you that if you want the world to see Jesus, you have to get Jesus transform into him on the inside. We, there's no shortcut to just, oh, well, praise God. Here's Jesus. Jesus, take the service. Take the wheel. There's no shortcut. The pathway for Jesus to have his will on this earth is through you. But it doesn't come automatic. It comes if you transform into it. They were taught. Paul never taught on this message. These false preachers came and taught this message to them. And he says the face of Moses was covered with a veil. And the reason was because God didn't want them looking at that glory. He had a better glory that was coming. In other words, Moses' message was not to teach them how to walk with God. Moses' message was to teach, point them to a Savior who was coming, Jesus. So quit looking at that glory. Let's cover it up. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, 
commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves. Man, this is, means so much to me now. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservant for Jesus' sake. If you want to be a preacher, if you want to change the world, if you want to be part of Joel's army, I said before, the message of Joel's army is not to lower the standard and said, hey, you get to be a part. You get to be a part. Praise God, we're going to be in a revival. It means you got to grow up. You got to grow up. You got to grow up. It's not just the preachers anymore. If we don't preach ourselves, we don't preach our own message, our own wisdom, natural wisdom. We preach Jesus. The Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Look here, verse 6. I'll I'll, I'll try to wind this up. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. This is referring to God who lit up the world, brought light out of darkness, out of nothing. Think about it. It was dark, and all of a sudden there was light. Well, this is talking about the same thing that happened to you. When you went to the altar, you were dark, completely dark. And God put light light into you, life, the new nature. That new nature brought light and life to you in darkness. You were a creature of darkness, and now you're a creature of light. However, you're just a baby in knowledge. Because the only place for you to get the knowledge, the love, the joy, the peace, is from God. And it's not downloaded instantly. You must take time in the cocoon and transform into that image. Bring that image forward like a tree does. It brings forward the image of what's inside and grows and matures. The knowledge that we're to preach is only that which God gave us. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness and who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He didn't want them looking at the face of Moses in the glory of the Old Testament. He wants us to look at the face of Jesus unveiled freely, clearly for who you are to become, what you are to be like. I had some friends who walked in peace because they were entrepreneurs. I mean, like they had come to retirement. They had, I don't don't know how to say it. They never did tell me, but let's just say oodles amount of money in, in the stock market, in their, in their retirement fund. Worked their whole life hard, saved hard, didn't live, never drove fancy, fancy cars like they saved. And, and I remember how strong they were. And this was a pastor who worked on the, on the side in business. How strong they were, how secure they were. And one time they were coming through Tulsa and they asked us to go for lunch. Me and Chris, you're like, yes, they're going to buy. So we picked a nice restaurant. (laughs) Well, we got there, and they were so shaken because the stock market had crashed, and they're already in retirement. 
and they were still shaking. Even though they've lost more than half of their money, they still had lots in there. But they didn't have peace. There was no peace. There was no joy. We ended up paying for the dinner. Like, I'm buying. I got, you know, you got more money in your pocket than I do in my bank, but I'm buying. Because I had peace with nothing. Their peace was of this world. There's a peace that you'll get in your cocoon that comes from God, that comes from God through that seed and brings forth a peace of God that says, I don't care who's with me. I don't care what the world looks like. My father is with me. Because your inner man knows God as your father. Your outward man understands God through religion. Look at the time. I'm going to have to stop there. We'll have to come back to this. But we'll go back one more verse here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Talking about Jesus and the Father. I'll read verse 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the fullness of the understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus and in the Father. They're not in you. They're not in you. How embarrassing is when we grab our people, march them out into the world to go represent a king that they don't even know. How sad that we win the world over with our love, with our joy, with our peace, with our knowledge, with our truth. Instead of getting our rear ends pushed into the seat, get your rear end back in that seat, pray in tongues. Go get that knowledge from God. Go get that love from God and then take that to the world. That's the only way we will win the world. You are released. We'll see you in 30 minutes.